0: Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot,
1: he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Thank you, Matt. Okay, uh, if you'd like to follow along real briefly, let's go back through the high points of that story that Matt just read to us about Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus, uh, when I was a kid uh, in Sunday school, we sang Zacchaeus is a wee little man. Some of you know that story, so he had to climb up the sycamore tree. I, he wanted to see Jesus what is cool about this is the story immediately before that if you back up in the Bible in Luke 19 at the end of chapter 18 is another story about somebody who could not see and they were asking Jesus I want to see so we have two stories back-to-back about people who want to see Jesus that's not random there's a purpose for that he wants to see Jesus but he's short he has fallen short of seeing God that's what the story is all about he wants to see Jesus he's fallen short so what does he do He climbs up the tree. That makes sense. That makes total sense. He climbs with his own strength, his own power, his own effort. He's going to power up the tree and he's going to see Jesus. Jesus sees him and he says what to him? You got to come down. You got to come down out of the tree. And what does Zacchaeus do? He gladly comes down, we're told. But then, then the mutterers, the mutterers show up. Anybody know a mutterer? Moral mutterers show up and a sinner. Why are you hanging out with him, Jesus? They had been trying to get Zacchaeus to change forever. He was a thief. His heart was bad, and forever, the moral mutterers were saying to him, "Sinner, shame on you." Now, Jesus doesn't say a word, but come down. And then we're told that his heart changes. And he says this incredible thing. I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. If I've taken anything from anybody, and he had, I'll give four times back. And then Jesus says, "Today salvation has come to you. All right, I got some really good news at the start of this message today. You ready for this? Last week was the world's longest message. If you were here last week, you know that is the world's longest message. You know what? This week, at least for me, is one of the world's shortest, very short message. And I have found over 20 years of speaking and preaching that when I say that, when I start a message by telling people it's a very, very short message, immediately life comes into the room, right? People <laughs> clap. I mean, I've seen the dead come back to life when I've said that in a church. So this is a really short message because we have some wonderful stories that we would like to share with you. But in saying that, I need to say this. There are some pitfalls to doing in a short message. I'm just going to hit the tops right I'm just gonna skim through the tops and I'm gonna use this story of Zacchaeus what we've been talking about over the past five weeks is there's a story in life in literature and definitely in the Bible and it's inescapable we just keep coming back to it in exchange of life Jesus Christ the hero lays down his life so he saves me throws me the life ring right Arlen Williams Air Florida Potomac River The life ring keeps coming. He keeps handing it to the next person, next person, next person. That's Jesus Christ. Arlen's a hero. He dies so that other people could live. It's a story in life and literature. It's definitely the story in the Bible that Jesus Christ gives us life. We see it in the Tale of Two Cities. We see it in Les Mis, Harry Potter, Star Wars, Titanic. It looked like there was room on that thing for him to get up on there with Rose, but he still gave his life because he wanted to stay true to the story. Okay? It's inescapable. There's protocols with process. This is Washington, DC, right? We're all about government. There's process. There's protocols to seeing a king or a president. You don't show up at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, knock on the gate and say, here I am, I want to see him. We don't do that. There's a protocol. Protocol number five, this is the final one, is the Asham sacrifice. And the Asham sacrifice, what it focuses on here is that my heart has truly changed. Because once the person reaches the end of the road here and they've gone through the process, the five processes we've talked about, which is really what Leviticus is all about, now their heart is genuinely changed. You know what they want to do when their heart is genuinely changed? They want to make things right. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he says, when you're at the altar, Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever preached by Jesus Christ. Incredible. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. He says, when you're at the altar and you realize that there's a problem between you and somebody else, I want you to leave the altar, go back and make things right. That is this sacrifice. And it's exactly what Zacchaeus does. You see what he does here? he has He's the chief of tax collectors. He's been abusing and extorting people and using the Roman army in order to bully people and take money from people. And people have been muttering about him for years. And here he meets Jesus and he just, all, just freely says, okay, well, I'm going to give half my, selfish, greedy, I'm going to give half my possess." How did that heart change happen so quickly? And if I've taken anything wrongly, I'm going to pay four times back. His heart is truly changed. It's when he saw Jesus. Here's the thing. I can only hit one point today because it's a short message, right? The difference between powering up and powering down. What Jesus calls Zacchaeus to do is to power down. Zacchaeus, normal reaction, normal reaction, if I want to see Jesus, i got to climb. If I want to get next to the holy of holies, if I want to be, I've got to climb. What? Climb what? I don't know. Climb a moral ladder? Climb something? I got to give my effort and my power and my strength because i'm going to see it's exactly what, and so jesus comes along and says, hey zacchaeus you've taken the wrong route you've taken the normal human route you've taken the route that all of us would take that if i want to get up to see jesus i got to climb and jesus says no what you actually got to power down you can't power up you got to power down we're going to talk about powering down today jeremiah 31 says something really important it's crucial in the understanding of both zacchaeus and in this protocol, number five, it says this. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. You can't force the laws of God into anybody's heart. You can't, can't do that. And what's happening here, what's being said simply is this. is Zacchaeus is now going to be obedient to God's laws and no longer steal from people and all the other stuff that he was doing. He's no longer going to do that. He's not going to feel like he has to be obligated to do that. He's going to want to do that. He's going to want to follow God. He's going to want to follow God's ways because it's in his heart. It's not an external thing. The moral mutterers were trying to get him to conform. I feel this all the time. I'm sure you do too. Oh, man, if I could just stop doing X, Y, and Z. I'm trying so hard. I'm climbing the ladder. And I'm trying so hard. Why can't I stop? We've got to get the law in our hearts. So how do you get the law in your hearts? Well, how he got the law in his hearts, his eyes were opened. He saw. He didn't see because he climbed. He saw because Jesus called him down. You got to power down, not power up. It only makes sense to me, and I bet it makes sense to you, that if I want to see God, that I got to power up in some way. And so Jesus comes along and says, you got to power down. Now, Jesus' favorite miracle, God's favorite miracle is opening blind eyes. What do I mean by that? Of all the miracles that Jesus Christ did, everybody, check this out. Of all the miracles he did, he opened more blind eyes than anything else. This was like, if he was trying, he got up in the morning and said, you know what? What miracle shall I do today? This was his go-to miracle, right? I'm going to open blind eyes today. He did more of these than anything else. Why? The question that has to be why. The end of Luke 18, open blind eyes. Luke 19, open blind eyes. Two different scenarios, but both opening blind eyes. It's his favorite. Here's the thing about opening somebody's eyes. You can't get your little fingers, right? And, and just, p- 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 you can't do that. This doesn't work. In order for somebody's heart to be changed, their eyes have to be open and God has to do it. And what happens is that if I wanna see God, I think I can, I can force my eyes open. I can power myself up the tree. Or, and here's what really gets good, because this is what we're really excited about, if I wanna force somebody else to change, I want to force somebody else to see the error, the depravity of their ways, I'll power up the ladder. You following me? And I'll force somebody's eyes open and change their heart. I'm all for morality. I just want you to know that. But if you really want to change somebody's heart, you can't power up. You have to power down. If you want to see your own heart change, you can't power up, you have to power down. Jesus calls for it. The moral mutterers have been muttering against Zacchaeus for years with zero change. Jesus Christ meets him, he says, power down, his eyes are opened, his heart is changed, and then wow, look what takes place, Look what takes place. Many times we talk about the past, and we talk about the good old days, right, the good old days when our country was so much more moral, right? I don't know what good old days we're talking about. Is anybody reading the history books? The good old days when people lived moral lives and they all went to church. Do you know in the early 1700s, hardly anybody was going to church? You know that this country was steeped heavily in moral depravity? Do you realize that there are some people who wanted to legislate mor- morality? Do you know that? heavy legislation. We're going to fo- force your eyes open. Right? We're going to mutter until you change. We're going to mutter until you change. There's a guy. He's got a great name, Cotton Mather. Cotton Mather. In the early 1700s, he was a minister. So you know what? This is it. I'm done. He said, I'm going to pray all day. Ready, everybody? I'm going to pray all day, every day to the day I die. I'm going to pray all day, every day to the day I die, that God would open people's eyes because I, I've, I've, I realized I can't open anybody's eyes and things were in really bad shape. You think our country's in bad shape now? You have a problem, right? Hey, yeah. Do you know anybody who's morally muttering? The answer would be yes. I know you do. Okay. And you're just sitting there. You're sitting there. I know you don't want to answer. Okay. It's all right. Cotton said, I'm going to pray all day, every day. He prayed for a little over a year and he died. Prayed for a little over a year and he died. So go if you know anybody on our prayer team, say that's the standard we're holding you to. <laughs> he prayed a little more than a year, he died. But right after he died, it hit and people who had no desire for Jesus Christ in their life going to church, living moral lives, they had no desire, all of a sudden, whammo! The floodgates opened, people's hearts changed. Church attendance in New England was like 5% or so. It was just abysmal. Oh, man, the good old days. Everyone Nobody was going to church. You know, moral depravity was... All of a sudden, church attendance went from, to like 85% without moral muttering, God, sovereignly by his power was opening people's eyes because people started to power power up I'll tell you what power up I feel good about powering up me telling you what you need to do and why you need to do it makes me feel good about myself me powering down I said oh man that means I really have to believe in the power of the spirit and the power of the story to do that and not in my own power You you tracking with me? But when that happens and God opens eyes, our hearts are genuinely changed. Moral muttering leads to moral conformity. We're not inter- Jesus is not interested in that. He's not interested in moral conformity. He's interested in genuine heart transformation. That only happens, everybody, when God sovereignly opens eyes because people have chosen to power down and to pray for it because they believe in the power of the Spirit and the power of the story. John chapter 16, fantastic please read John chapter 16 about the work of the Spirit. I think it's like the first 16 verses of John 16 or something in there, all right? He tells us two great things. This is what the Holy Spirit does, all right? He says the Holy Spirit does this. The Holy Spirit, number one, shows everybody that we have a problem. The Holy Spirit, number one, does this. The Holy Spirit, not me, not you, not anybody else. The Holy Spirit does this. Shows everybody we have a problem, and that problem is sin. Number two, the Holy Spirit shows everybody... That we have a solution to our problem, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I've learned. You can't tell people they're sinners. It just doesn't work. Let's just say it, right? You can't scream and yell and think you're going to change somebody's heart and tell them a sinner. It takes God to do that. I I read a study years ago that they went to emergency rooms, right? They tracked people who were in automobile accidents, and they went to emergency rooms, and they were in the emergency room because an auto accident that they had caused. You You follow? in an emergency room because of an accident that they had caused, and they said to them, how would you rate your driving skills? And they all said, great, great. I mean, I might be in an accident today, but compared to everybody else, I'm a great driver. It doesn't work trying to tell people, you have a problem, you're a sinner. I know I'm a sinner, but you know, look at everybody else. We actually need everybody, God, to step in and open our eyes to it. it's the only way it happens we don't get it we don't get that genuine heart change that we see in Zacchaeus unless that happens powering up leads to moral muttering and moral conformity powering down is a belief in the power of the spirit in the power of the story and it leads to genuine heart change we want to give space for the holy spirit to work I got to tell you, that is what this church is all about. That's what God has called this church to be all about, to giving space to the power of the Spirit and the power of the story. You're going to hear stories about that in just a few moments. Let me end with my own story. What if my father, when I was, let's say, the age of 12, sat me down and said, hey, Johnny, look, one day you're going to be willing to talk on the telephone for hours hours. You're going to be willing to go shopping, <laughs> singing, dancing. You're going to wait. You're going to wait. You're going to wait <laughs> and you're going to be happy about it. You'll be so, so happy about it. It's just going to be awesome. I look at my dad at the age of 12 and I said, Dad, have you lost your mind? There is just no way. I'm not interested in any that's, that's insane. I don't see anything of what you're talking about. At the age of 12, uh, I, the best pizza in the history of the world was at Pike Pizza. They had the best pizza in the history of the world. It doesn't exist anymore. I'm very sorry. Two Lebanese brothers who were friends of mine owned it. Fantastic. Best meatball and cheese sub I've ever had. If you feel like you've had a great meatball and cheese, every time I talk about this story people come to me and say, oh, I want to tell you where to get the best meatball and cheese. Please don't. <laughs> I, I, I want to tell you why. I want to tell you why. Please don't. Because so many people have come to me and said, the meatball messiah is here or it's over here and I'll run to it and then my hopes are just, dead. I can't take the pain anymore, okay? <laughs> it's the best pizza, the best meatball and cheese in the history of the world, and it no longer exists. Those were the good old days. (laughs) At the age of 12, On a Saturday, kind of late afternoon, early evening, I'm sitting down there. Pike Pizza had these big, huge windows right there at the booth up front. They had two booths up front. I'm sitting there. And uh, I was there to pick up a pizza, and our neighbor of ours was there. He was, like, in his late 30s, early 40s. And he was sitting there. And so he's, hey, you know, sit down. So we're sitting down, and, you know, the sidewalk's filled with people, lots of people walking around. And, oh, my goodness, he called me John Boy. I guess he watched the Waltons. I don't know. I like that. You watch the Waltons too. <laughs> All right. And he said, Oh, oh, John Boy. And he's banging on the Look at that. Look at that one, John Boy. Oh my gosh. And he's kind of jerking. He's like every now and then he would jerk like he's in some kind of delightful pain. Oh! Oh! Mmm! Mm. Woo! John, like, look at that, look! And here I sit. I'm like, I'm pressing my face up against the glass. What are you seeing? What? I don't see anything. You're obviously having an incredible experience. I don't know why. What is it that you're seeing? Oh my gosh, John Boy, look at that one. Over and over and over again, I couldn't see anything at all. All I can say now is, is once I was blind, but now I see. (laughs) God had ordained a specific time for my eyes to come open (laughs) and I see and the world's never been the same right when my eyes opened to Krista my wife I would wait and wait and wait and it was so bizarre she would walk into the room I couldn't get mad, I would just, I remember just breathing in her perfume, it's, oh, this is awesome, I was once blind, but now I see, hey everybody, what we want to do is we want to ask the spirit to open our eyes, here's how I start most of my days, at some, some point, God, I need you to open my eyes because only when you open my eyes is my heart going to be truly changed. It's the only way it's going to happen. I pray that for our church and I hope all of us as a church community together, no matter where you are in that spiritual thing, God, open everybody's eyes and open my eyes because when that happens, it's not moral conformity. It's genuine heart change. It's the place all of us want to be. It's where we feel the aliveness of the spirit inside of us that is incredible. You're gonna want to experience that and you can't force it you gotta power down to it you can't power up powering up is a normal yes i'm gonna climb that tree power down now it's baptism time all done yeah that wasn't too bad was it huh there's a few people still alive in this room that's awesome thank you we want to talk about baptism for a second and uh, first Craig is, Craig going to come up, he's going to share, he's going to share his story, let me get Craig's mic over here for you and turn this thing on and I just want to explain, if I can, real briefly, baptism. Baptism actually, you know, what we have been talking about, everybody, uh, for the past five weeks, come right on over, Craig, what we've been talking about for the past five weeks, this grand story, actually baptism. There's Pastor Derek entering the tank now. Look at him. Uh, Baptism, we, we, we learn three main ways, right? We hear, we see, we do. We hear, we see, we do. Baptism is us actually acting the story out. We go in and we say, you know, I go in and I'm exchanging lives with Jesus Christ and we come back up with his life, his record, all of that. It's an exchange of life. And that seals and sticks the story to us. So could everybody please welcome Craig. Are you good right there? All right, buddy. Yeah, thank you. I'll be right here with you, brother, just to make sure you're up on that mic because we all want to hear what you have to say.
0: All right. Thanks, John. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to share a few comments about my story, especially it might might help someone um, who doesn't go to church like me. Um, I grew up Presbyterian in a very small village in Scotland. Um, I belonged to a Christian boys' organization, which really meant a lot to me growing up um but um, as an adult i just fell away from any regular church practice and um you know i, I just wasn't really interested uh, and um so i moved to the states in 2000 and uh, <clears throat> sort of uh, 2007 2008 got pretty bad for me um and and um you know, I ended up in a church basement trying to learn about, you know, higher powers or gods or whatever. And, um, you know, I was such a skeptic at the time, um, very, very skeptical, very hard-headed and skeptical. And um, But I kept coming back, and um, I felt that pull to, you know, to return to my roots to figure out, you know, whether I wanted to believe in Christianity, Jesus Christ. And um, so, you know, I, I got a, a leaflet in the mail, you know, uh, the church for people who don't go to church. And um, and in 2009, I started going to to Grace, and um, you know, very infrequently, very, very, very infrequently, on and off. Um, and I was a guy at the very, very back in the corner, yeah. you know.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's that guy. That's that guy. I was that guy. You know, and. and and I would come, you know, maybe once a month or something like that and just watch and just watch and just, you know, question and question. And, and the energy and the and the love in this church really sort of kept me coming back. Um, and I stayed open and willing to the idea of Jesus Christ being real, you know, in his presence and in his power being available, and um, I started reading about the Beatitudes and matthew and and uh, New Testament and everything. I really sort of stayed open I stayed open and willing. that was the main thing and um, what really opened my eyes was a honest to goodness miracle <laughs> and that's that 's really what happened it was a, It was a miracle that i I look back it happened a couple of years ago, and I still look back and i 'm like wow that that was unbelievable. It was a miracle. And there's no other explanation for it. And um, I've had Pastor John uh, Derek look at it, and um, there's no other explanation. And so all the all the signs were pointing to um, to Christ, quite frankly. And um, there was no, like I said, there was no other explanation for it. So that was enough evidence for me. And um, you know, I also want to say that I see the evidence here every week. You know, the energy, the passion, the love that exists in Grace. And you know, it. I started attending Grace seven years ago in two thousand and nine, and it's taken me seven years to get to the point where I am today. A hard-headed skeptic like me. So, um, from this point on, I just look forward to gaining the habits necessary to carry on with regular attendance at church, Bible study, and, and to keep growing spiritually. So with that, thank you. God bless.
1: That's awesome.
0: That's awesome.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, i tell you why I just think this is uh, fabulous. Craig and I, over the seven years, we've yeah. talked. We talked a lot. And I, I just can't say this enough. What we want to do at what we feel God has called us to do at Grace is to create space. You're here today and you're where Craig was, welcome. Don't feel pressured. Here's the thing, if we would have powered up on Craig, right Craig, if we would have powered up, hey man, now, we wouldn't be standing here. Believe in the power of the spirit, believe in the power of the story, love on people, pray for people, seven years. It's absolutely awesome, we are thrilled. This is fantastic. And you know what? You know what else? You got a Scotsman being baptized by the British back here. That's power. That's power. Would you all join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, God is so thrilled for Craig, so thankful that he shared this story. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. God bless him. He said in his story, Lord, he just wants to keep seeing more, keep growing more. Lord, let that happen. Watch over him and his family. Place your hand upon him and lead him to that place where you want him to be, good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm right on back, brother. Proud of you. Proud of you. We're going to welcome uh, Jen up now. Jen, come right on over. Jen is going to graciously, she's sharing her story uh, in this service and going to be baptized in the next service. So uh, thank you so much.
3: Good morning. Good morning. My name is Jen Organsky. I grew up in a, Catholic, in a Catholic family and attended mass every Sunday. When I was a teenager, we stopped going to church every week and we turned into one of those Christmas and Easter church people. Um, you know them, don't you? Um, after grad school I moved to this area and ironically a, started a job as an intern architect at a firm that designed churches. Um, for, for seven years we started and ended each meeting with prayer, and, um, but I still didn't really grasp what Jesus was all about. I never talked in depth with anyone about religion, but I always wondered how they came to accept Jesus and why they prayed to him for help and guidance. A few years ago, about four years ago, actually, um, I came across the Grace Community Church website and, again, saw the church for people who don't go to church. I was like, what was that all about? I soon attended my first uh, service. The music was lively. The sermon was engaging. But most of all, I didn't feel like I was being chastised for not going each week and I didn't, uh, or really for feeling that I didn't understand who Jesus was or for following the rules. Can a church really be like this? I asked myself, and I felt like I stumbled upon something really special. Little by little, I learned about the Bible and started to understand who this Jesus guy was all about. I finally listened and was comprehending. Jesus sacrificed himself for us, and he loved me to matter my shortcomings. The pivotal point that brought me here today was a sermon series where Pastor Derek shared a story about a specific day in his life that he was acutely aware of God's presence and overwhelmed by his incredible love. You may remember it. While I was listening to his story, I realized that I too had a similar experience, but I didn't attribute it to uh, God at all or any connection with him. In my mind, the few times where the music or sermon brought me to tears, I attributed to my sense of emptiness, that I was walking alone in this journey and how I longed to understand what others seemed to already figure out. After putting two and two together, I understood that it was God all along. He had been trying to connect with me and reach out to me so many times in my life, but I never recognized him. Today, I'm happy to share that I feel God in my heart, and I know that he's with me every day. I've accepted Christ as my Savior, and I appreciate all the gifts he has given me and all the ones that I've yet to discover. That's
1: wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Hang a little bit of a second. There's a line in Jen's story that she just said, little by little. That's very biblical. Book of Joshua says, we will enter the promised land and take possession of the promised land little by little. Powering up says, right now, all of it, all the way, right now. Powering down says, you know what? We'll give God time and space little by little by little. There's a theme this morning in all of these stories. Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father? Thank you so much for the work that you have done and are doing and will do in Jen's life. Bless her, Lord. Little by little, let her continue to experience all the great gifts that you have in store for her. All the things that you've placed in her heart, bring them to the past by the power of your spirit at work in her life. We are so thankful for her salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you all give Jen a round of applause? Thank you, Jen. Okay, this is Duke. Duke said to me, his name is spelled D-U-C. He says, just like the Duke, John Wayne, that's how you know how to say Duke. This is the, so from now on, you remember, John Wayne, right here. Uh, Duke has a phenomenal story. I want to say this, actually, before he reads it. You should really stop Duke and his wife, Lisa, right here on the front row at some point and say, I want to hear more of your story. He's just going to hit the highlights here. It's fantastic. Have at it.
2: Good morning. Hi, my name is Duke. Um, today is an exciting day for me. Uh, I'm so excited. I, words can't describe having my family and friends here. I'm originally from Vietnam. Uh, my family's journey to America was a difficult one. Um, on numerous occasions, uh, my sibling and I were put in jail for trying to flee our country. Um, we traveled by boat, um, and the, tr- just the percent of survival was less than 25%. Basically, when you go on a boat, you, ex- you expect to be to die. So that's, that's the belief. We finally escaped on our eighth attempt. We floated at sea for nearly 12 days without food or water. And we even survived a pirate attack. And I was around eight or nine at the time. Finally, we made it to Thailand, and we were sponsored by my aunt to uh, come to America when we arrived to America she took us to church uh, my family would grow up in Buddhist and we did not know one single word of English but we went to church it was very confusing because you're sitting here listening to someone that is like someone speaking German to, me, to all of you right now no no clue but <clears throat> my mom didn't go because she uh, had to find a job to take care of five of us um, my dad didn't come to America because he was himself in prison in America I mean in Vietnam for being in the service but attending church, you know, for the first five years helped us learn English, so that was the greatest thing. So after five years, my mom became a US citizen and sponsored my dad over. When he first came, first thing he did was took us out of church and made us go back to the Buddhist temple. After college, I then met my, gir- my girlfriend now wife. And after our first date, on the first Sunday, she said, guess where are we going? I said, picnic? No, we're going to church. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Lisa felt I needed to know God's word Because I did mention to her I did go in the early years But stop uh, And she was right um, She said church helped her face a lot of adversity When she first came to America So today, to say I'm a blessed man With my beautiful Nora and my daughter and wife Is an understatement And I've been in Ghana church for the last 18 years With my wife And now two kids here And um, God has brought me a true sense of inner peace um, and I can't really describe it yeah, I think you have to feel it and I think uh, even in the early days I didn't understand a word of English Going to church just the people around you just get felt peaceful so that's that's what I've got since then but I have never really felt comfortable accepting Jesus as my Savior uh, a few months ago we started going to grace here and there was no pressure to believe I love that because I'm like the other I'm very skeptical myself and this is the first church that my wife and I decided to, I decided to join a, a marriage, a marriage group. And some of our members are here with us here. And, um, what we're learning in a group is keeping God's first. So in January, along with 50 pe- uh, the first 50 people, I crossed the bridge here. And that was a big moment for me. Probably the same week or next week, I went and talked to Pastor Brian and said, How can I get baptized? And he then talked, passed me to Pastor Derek and John here and they helped me. Yeah, where I'm in today. Um, one of the things that grace has provided me is such a warm feeling. You know, I'm excited to go to church on Sunday, and you can ask my wife Sundays. You know, when we get in a different church, she has to really kick me out of bed. But now I want to go, <laughs> because just it's just I want, when you want to do something, it's a lot easier than than someone pressuring you. That's just the honest truth. And so I have repented and accepted Jesus my Savior, and now I'm ready to take the next step, baptism. Thank you.
1: So We had dinner with Duke and Lisa And we heard the longer version of the story Of the pirate attacks And the floating at sea For like a month with no food and no water And the journey 18 years everybody 18 years of hearing the story And then God did something really special. I hope that you'll hear that same theme, little by little, seven years for Craig, 18 years for Duke. The power of the Spirit, the power of the story, creating space for God to work, powering down, not powering up. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Uh, Lord, it would seem as if your hand is upon Duke and his family that through all the incredible things that have happened in their lives that you have protected them to this place and revealed your love and your truth and your awesome plan through this incredible story for them. God, continue to work in their lives in a special way. Lord, as they have crossed this bridge, let them experience all of this promised land that you have for him and his family. Fill him, immerse him in your holy presence, Father. We are thrilled to hear what you have done. In Christ's name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, brother.
0: I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
1: Well, let's all stand. These are thrilling. If you see any of those who are baptized, please stop them and say uh, hello to them. Uh, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, prayer team is over here. If you're new and I haven't met you yet, Grace and 5 is over here. I'd love to meet you. Let's have a closing prayer. Heavenly Father, so exciting to hear these stories. God, open all of our eyes, starting with me. Open our eyes, Holy Spirit. Help us to see. Change our hearts. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with your power and let us come fully alive in you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in
3: Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.